Well, during the month of May, we're starting a new series. It's called Free Indeed. Free Indeed. And uh, I'm really believing something powerful is going to take place uh, as we just open the Word of God and as our eyes are open to, to a spiritual world. Because so often we can look at what we're facing through natural eyes. But what we're going to understand is there's a spiritual world at work. And some of the things that we fight against aren't natural things. They're actually spiritual things. And it's really important as believers, we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. And we recognize what comes against us, knowing that Jesus has given us power and authority to defeat the works of the devil. Come on, do I get an amen there? And, and, and here's the good news. If Jesus sets you free, you're free indeed. So how many have got expectation in their heart this morning for the Word of God? Come on, you've got expectation. Amen. We thank you. We just set this time apart for you to speak into our lives. Holy Spirit, we ask you to move in this place. Lord, we know your presence, and we're asking you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and look at them and say, you're going to be free. You're going to be free indeed. Indeed. If you got your Bible, go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And we're going to be reading from verse 31. It says, Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in Him. So He's speaking to the Jews who believed in Him. He said, If you abide in My Word, you are My disciples indeed. Yeah, here it says, if you abide, not just visit, not just pick up every now and then. It says, if you dwell, you know, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. For you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you, come on, the truth shall make you free. How many know when it comes to God's grace, God's grace is free. We don't earn it, we receive it. But when it comes to truth, truth is something that you and I need to buy. And the currency that we use to purchase truth is self. While self is on the throne, you can never purchase truth. And ultimately, it's not grace that makes you free, it's truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you. Come on, how many want to live free in this place? It's the truth. And it says, it goes on, it says, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. In other words, we've been around for a long time and we've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we will be made free? So they didn't think they had any issues, but Jesus answered them and he said, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. How many ever committed a sin before? If you haven't lifted up your hand, you're a liar, which means you're a sinner. The Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says, and, and, and you're a slave to their sin. And it goes on and it says, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, if Jesus makes you free, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. How many know that's good news? The gospel, what Jesus came for, the gospel, good news, you know, is, is that you and I can live free. Now, 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 this news is not just like the news that you read this morning in the New Zealand Herald on stuff.co.nz. It's not daily news. You know, when, when Jesus talked about good news, he said, repent and believe in the good news. 
In fact, he said there in Mark chapter 1, repent, you know, turn, change your mind, but believe in the good news. This good news is, is not just like daily news, it's earth-shattering news. That this news is, is something that if you were to hear it, it would change the way that you live. It's history-making, life-shaping news. That, that's the gospel. And the whole message of Jesus Christ is, well, it's good news. It's life-shaping, history-making news. And that, this is where Christianity stands out among many other religions. Because many other religions are just full of good advice. Uh, good advice on how to live. And if you do this, you'll, you'll be right with God. But, but Christianity is different because it's not just good advice on how to live. It's news to what has happened. Come on, and that's it. You know, when you receive advice, you know, many of us don't feel that great about ourselves. You know, somebody gives you advice. If you receive advice lately, it's like, oh, man, you know, I have to do this. It's like you ought to have. You need to. You know, and, and what advice does in a lot of places is, is it, it weighs you down. It says, this is how you have to live. How many know that's not the gospel? Here's the gospel right now. You ready for it? Here's good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's good news. Some of you are not excited by that. Yeah, that's good news because what that's saying is that you and I, each and every one of us, can access this kingdom. It's accessible to, to everyday, ordinary people. That's good news. And it's not on the basis of what you've done or haven't done. It's on the basis of what Jesus has done. And, and, and when Jesus came, He said, this is good news because here I'm ushering in a whole new way of living. You know, it's a sad day when, when people, you know, pray a prayer and invite Jesus into their lives and they, they, their life doesn't change. You know, uh, they, they live the same way they lived before they believed in Jesus. You know, how many know they haven't received the good news? Uh, because the good news is a, a herald announcement like, this changes everything. Uh, not, not just one aspect of my life. This changes all of my life. And I can live different because of this good news. You know, he ushered in a whole new way of living, Jesus did. And he brought freedom and healing and wholeness. And, and the biblical metaphor, uh, which helps us understand this, is it's like we were enslaved to sin. It was like we we're under the oppression of Egypt, like the children of Israel were. But, but Jesus, well, God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. And so you and I have been delivered out of our slavery. We no longer need to be slaves to sin. Uh, but, but the picture of the Israelites here, yeah, they got delivered out of Egypt, but they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years. What was that wilderness experience all about? Really what it was about was it was a spiritual detox because the problem was they were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. And, and just in our life, you know, we can be set free in a moment, but the problem is we haven't detoxed. We've still got toxins in our body that are stopping us living the full life that God intended for us to live. And, and, and this series is, is not so much of us getting out of Egypt as much as getting Egypt out of us. Because how many know each and every one of us have still got some things that we need to work on 
so that we can live in the fullness of what God's promised for our life, which is what? It's freedom. Freedom. And, and the promised land, the metaphor is, 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 is simply that, that we can embrace a new and better way of living, and that's called promised land living. Uh, some years ago, a guy by the name of Francis Frangipani came to our church. And uh, he prophesied over Kathy, so I took note. She was 15 years of age. You know, she didn't know I liked her at that stage. But anyway, I took a note of what he prophesied over her, and I thought, there's someone right there. And, uh, but one thing he, he actually said to us as a church, he said, as a church, uh, you need to be good at, you need to get good at deliverance. Um, it's something, because God's going to bring so many people into your world who are going to encounter Jesus but they're going to need to be delivered from old ways of living. And uh, it's something that's stuck with me all these years because I think, well, okay, but we're not quite there in many places. And, you know, some of us are struggling with age-old issues that have been around for a long time. And, and we think, you know, well, if, if I just suck it up, I can beat this thing. But we don't recognize we're actually in a spiritual fight. You know, I can't tell you right now how important it is that you're here today. I want to say that right at the start. Because the enemy will do everything he can to keep you from hearing a message like this. He'll do everything he can because, why? He doesn't want to get caught. He's a thief. He's out there to kill, steal, and destroy. And if you catch a thief, according to the Bible... A thief has to restore seven times what's been stolen from them. So he'll do anything he can to hinder people hearing a message like this because the devil doesn't want to get caught. And most believers, you know, if we're to be honest, we're not free indeed. You know, because we don't believe in a way that we can be in bondage. You know, just like the people that Jesus was talking to in Mark chapter 8, they were Jews who believed. You know, they thought, we're all right, we're descendants of, uh, of Abraham. But he was saying, no, no, you don't understand. There's some things restricting you. And I've come to set you free. Uh, listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 1. Listen, listen to this. He says, it's for freedom. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Yeah, yeah, Christ has set us free, but it's so easily, easy to, to get enslaved again. You know, we're going to look today at you know, the powers of the enemy and ask the question, is it possible for somebody to, to live under the influence of demonic powers? Uh, we're going to ask the question, can I answer the question, can a Christian be, be demon-possessed? Uh, some of you are going, oh, this is a little bit heavy. Don't worry, it's not going to be, uh, this is going to help. This is good news. Because I'm really believing for significant breakthroughs here this morning. And I've found the enemy comes on strong right before there's a breakthrough. And I know just over recent times and people have been praying and I appreciate their prayers. You know, I've been struggling with things in my own health and I'm going, nah, this is just the enemy wanting to stop the breakthrough that we're about to enter into in Jesus' name. And we're going to rob the enemy of his power. Come on, some of you right now, you've been under a yoke of oppression. And God wants to bring you up and over this morning. And because the enemy is not something that we need to fear. 
Come on, we have power and authority in the name of Jesus. Amen. And the enemy knows it. You know, he'll do everything he can to, to, to hinder you, to stop you entering into the fullness of what God has. We, we pick up, uh, you know, then Mark chapter 5. You know, Jesus goes across to the other side, and when he gets to the other side, he encounters a demoniac, a guy who had been living in tombs. And in fact, the Bible says he had a legend of demons in him. Uh, in the end, what happens through encountering Jesus is all these demons were cast out. That's 6,826 of them. That's what a legend, that's how, how much a legend is. How many know this guy had issues? But here's the good news. You know, those issues weren't too big for God. In fact, one moment with Jesus brought about freedom into this man's life. And in fact, people freaked out because there he was sitting in his right mind. You know, we wasn't able to communicate running naked through graveyards. You know, he was a stranger. Here he was in his right mind. He, he wanted to keep on following Jesus, go with Jesus. But Jesus said, no, go back to your home and tell people what I've done. And in fact, you know, the Bible commentators would say that the ministry into the 10 cities in that region were a result of this man's testimony of freedom. I really believe God wants to give people in this place a testimony of freedom. Freedom from stuff that your parents have struggled with. You know, even your grandparents have struggled with. You know, and you've just accepted that it's your lot in life. But God's going to open your eyes today to say you don't need to struggle with that. Come on, I've got good news today. You can live in the freedom that Jesus has won for us. Come on, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. You know, here this demonized man, he gets free. You know, first thought I, I want to share this morning is, and it's, it's pretty there, it's, there really are demons, not just in movies. There, there really are. In fact, the word demon appears in the Bible 82 times in the New King James. 61 of those times is in the New Testament. And if we read the Gospels, we see Jesus, he was dealing with, talking about, casting out demons. And one of the reasons I think that we find out a lot in the Gospels is, is nobody really had authority over demons until Jesus came. And when he came, he immediately confronted demonic strongholds. Now, now what you've got to understand about demons is demons are fallen angels, uh, when, when, when God cast out Satan from heaven, one third of the angels went with him. That means two thirds remained. Here's the good news. You know, for every one demon, there's two other angels. You know, and, and we've got two to one. We outnumbered them two to one. You know, some people, are, you know, right now are freaking out a little bit because we're speaking about this. And it's simply because you've watched too many horror movies. Or you've been to Frighteners, or you've been to, you know, some other place that's really freaked you out and has, has got you all a little bit scared. But you don't need to be afraid today, because demons aren't something as believers we need to be frightened of in Jesus' name. Here, here's the thing, when, when God cast Satan out of heaven, he didn't even do it himself. You know, in fact, you know, he sends one angel to do it. You know, he looks and goes, oh, that, that, that. Talks to Gabe and says, hey, get one of the new guys <laughs> to get rid of him. You know, it's just like, boom, you're gone. You know, and, and so it's not something that we need to be afraid about. 
But, but where they come from is they come from, from fallen angels. And what they are, they're disembodied spirits. And, and they're looking for a body to enter. They, they inhabit bodies. That's why in the story of, of the demoniac, you know, Jesus had to cast them out into a whole lot of pigs. They weren't in this guy's soul. They weren't in his spirit. They were in his body. And, and Jesus said, let them, they said to Jesus, let us go into those swine because we need a body. Backs up the theory that animals can be demon-possessed. And some of you got them at home. No. Uh, cats. No, just kidding. <laughs> Sorry to all the cat lovers. Please don't send me emails. Okay. You know, here's the thing. There's demons, no doubt. You know, I otherwise would have to cut out a whole lot of the Bible. And Jesus' ministry. We just have to, whoa. Move out a whole lot. Here, here's just proof for point. Matthew chapter 18, 8, verse 16, it says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick. Uh, why would the Bible say he cast them out if they weren't there? Okay, Matthew chapter 9, verse 32, and it says, And as they went out, behold, they brought to him a man mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, I've never seen, it was never seen like this in Israel. Matthew 17, verse 18, And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured that very hour. Come on, that's amazing, isn't it? Mark chapter 3, verse 14 to 15, it says, Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Okay, Mark chapter 6, verse 12, it says, So they went out and they preached that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed oil, many who were sick, and healed them. Mark 16, verse 17, and these signs shall follow those who believe. Who's a believer? Come on, any believers here? Yeah, in my name they will cast out demons and they shall speak with new tongues. Yeah, so it's right through the Bible. C.S. Lewis says there's two groups of people that Satan loves and gets excited over. The two groups of people are the, the superstitious and the skeptic. Those two people. You know, the superstitious, they're the ones who see, who see a demon behind every bush. You know, the, the skeptic, they're, they're the ones who believe that they don't exist. Uh, they don't exist today. It was just Jesus' time. And, and C.S. Lewis, he, he says, Satan loves both the superstitious and the skeptic because they're both in bondage. Because they're open to deception. Uh, some people are really nervous about talking about this today. You know, uh, and others are going, well, man, this is awesome. He's getting to the good stuff. Uh, listen, if you're in either one of those camps, uh, let's just all move to the middle. Because we're not skeptics and we're not superstitious. Uh, uh, we, we, we don't deny them, but we also don't see them as the root of every cause and every problem. I mean, no, many people use that to get themselves off the hook. Oh, the devil made me do it. No, you did it, you flipping idiot. Yeah, but here's the good news. Jesus came to set us free. And you'll never get free if you don't know that you can be bound. 
And if you don't know you're bound, you're, you're, you're in a whole lot of trouble. And, you know, as Jake Hayford said he, said, he said, you can't cast out the flesh. You can't cast out the flesh, but also you, you can't disciple a demon. In other words, people will say, well, it's just the flesh. You know, that person just needs to suck it up, you know, and discipline themselves and they need discipleship. You know, you know that's what they need. You know, it's just like, no, that's not it. That's not the full answer. Then there's others who will say, oh, well, you've got a demon. And the reason why you can't do this and this and that is because of the demon. And they think deliverance is the answer for everything. And, and, and the question often is, well, is it deliverance or discipleship? You know, is it deliverance or discipleship? Uh, the answer to that is yes. It's not one or the other. It's, it's deliverance and discipleship. Because you can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple a demon. In fact, I reckon a demon can t- learn to speak Christianese, though. And I go, they're probably the most powerful demon, the religious demons. <laughs> they actually learn the language, but, 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 you know, just mask over things. And we've got to open our eyes. You know, are you saying I can be saved and still have a demon? Yep. You know it by what you can't stop thinking about. By those irrational fears, those crazy thoughts. Come on, by that habitual sin. Uh, by that ceiling you keep hitting time and time again and you can't seem to get past. Or where there's elements of sickness and, or accidents, you know, just freakish accidents all the time. Come on, I want to give you hope this morning. You can be free. Don't get upset at me telling you you might have a problem in this area. I want you to get excited because you can have hope. You can actually live free from this. But the only people who can get free, are the, the only people who can't get free are those who won't admit and don't know that they're oppressed. See, 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 the Bible clearly states that there's two objectives for Jesus' ministry. Here's Jesus' two objectives. He says, the first one, Luke 19 verse 10, is to seek and save those who are lost. That's the objective. The second one is found in 1 John chapter 3 verse 8, and that is to destroy the works of the devil. The two objectives of Jesus' ministry, to seek and save the lost and to destroy the works of the devil. Okay, number one, there really are demons. Number two, uh, they really do enter people. John chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Most surely I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, by the door, but climbs in some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Here's what he's saying. The thief can get in. But he can't come through me. So he's got to come in a other way. Can a, can a Christian be demon-possessed? Well, let's, let's unpack that and go to the original language of what possessed means when you see that, that word possessed. Because there's two words in, in the Greek. You know, the first one is demoni, zomai. And, and demoni means demon and zomai means to possess. But it's not possessed in the way that we think it's possessed. You know, in the English, to possess something is to own something. Uh, this is not the word in the Greek. Zomai actually means, it means to have mastery over or gain control over. So it means to have power over. Uh, that's why in Luke chapter 21, verse 19, it says, By patience, by your patience, possess your souls. 
Now, now Jesus wasn't saying, you know, uh, you need to own your souls because our souls belong to him. Rather, he was saying we need to gain control over our souls. So, so, so the phrase demon-possessed is really loaded these days, and there's a whole lot of connotations. Ooh, demon-possessed, you know, I'm controlled by a demon. You know, that's not how it, it, it's helpful to think, you know, that, that, that when it comes to possession, it's, it's to have influence over or power over. You know, power over, and, and that's why, you know, some of us struggle with lust. It's like the, the Spirit has power over us where we do things that we don't want to do. You know, unforgiveness opens the door to that. Bitterness and, you know, things, you know, even gluttony. There, there can be spirits, that, um, you know, some of us discipline. <laughs> but but, but there, there's other things that, that can be at work. So, so can, be a, can a Christian be owned by the devil? No. We're owned by God. Uh, but, but can a Christian be under the control of a, a demon? Yeah. Let me ask this question. Is there any area in your life that you're struggling to get victory in right now? Is there any area in your life where you feel helpless and powerless? Is there any area of sin in your life which you've confessed over and over and over and over again? And it's like you don't have enough time to keep on saying over and over and over. And you told God that you'll never do it again, but you keep on doing it. How can I say this nicely this morning? Wake up! Wake up! You're bound. You don't even know. See, the enemy would have you think it's your fault, your problem. Oh, well, you know, I've got a weakness in this area. Well, it's been a weakness for 20 years. How many know that's not a weakness? Listen, I'm not telling you bad news. I'm telling you good news here. See, if if you're under it, here's the good news. There's somebody who can set you free, and his name is Jesus. And he wants to bring freedom to your life. But he can't set you free if you don't know it. Just just to paint the picture, let's say you left home today and you left the door open. Some of you did. And the window opened in your house. And you go home and you find that there's a thief in your house. Now, now, does the thief own your house? No. But guess what? He's in your house. Some of you are freaking out right now. I need to go home. No, no, it's all right. It's just the illustration. How many know if he's in your house, he has control over things in your house? Until you arrest him and you take him out in handcuffs, he has control. Let, let me tell you what he wants to do while he's there. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He's a thief and he's in your house. And he, and he wants to do it. And there's many Old Testament. I haven't got time to go through all the scriptures, but just a couple of them. Uh, Lamentations 1 verse 10, it says, The adversary has spread his hand over all her pleasant things. For she has seen the nations into her sanctuary, those whom you commanded not to enter your, uh, your assembly. So it's, in other words, come in. Lamentations 4 verse 12, the kings of all the earth and all the inhabitants of the world would not have believed that the adversary, the devil, and the enemy could enter the gates of Jerusalem. Joel chapter 2 verse 9 says, They run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall. They climb into houses and they enter at windows like a thief. 
Talking about swarms. You know, they come in. They don't come in through Jesus. They come in another way. And they come into our lives, sometimes through what we watch. Uh, they, they come in uh, and we give them permission. We, we give them an opportunity. And, and, the, and then the devil takes that opportunity and takes advantage of it. It's just like somebody who drinks a lot of alcohol or puts illegal drugs into their body. You know, they're opening the door. Now, now do the drugs and the alcohol own them? No, they don't. He's still owned by God. But are they in him? Yeah. He's under the influence of their power. And what happens is when you're under that influence, come on, this is just even a natural thing. Often people do stuff that they wouldn't normally do. They do stuff that's out of their character because they're under the influence of their alcohol and drugs. You know, if somebody who's a Christian begins to look at pornography, you know, many people say it's harmless. You know, the stuff we watch is harmless. No, you open the door. And you open the door, their enemy will come in. If you watch a whole lot of rubbish on TV, you feed your, your spirit with it, you, you're opening that door. And then you come under its power. And in the end, you'll end up doing something that you never thought you'd do. Because of it, you know, and you won't do the things that you want to do. And it's simply because we're under the influence. Uh, listen to me, if you're starting to get depressed, don't get depressed. Um, because here's, here's a really, really good news, okay? Here's the good news. By the way, we're going to open this up. We're running an encounter weekend. And this is something I've felt to do for a number of years, is encounter weekends where we help people navigate through their past. And we've got Pastor Helen. She's going to take people on a Friday night and a whole Saturday just to help deal, to deal with issues where people have come under uh, under uh, under the influence of the enemy, and so people can walk in freedom. How many know? Yeah, you know, some of us think we're free, but we don't really know free. <laughs> you know, we're we're free, but we're not free indeed. Okay, number three, last one, and we're going to finish it off here. Is Jesus does really cast them out? <laughs> Pretty simple. Jesus really does cast them out. Uh, let's go to Luke ten, verse seventeen. It says, "The seventy returned." He sent 70 out, returned with joy and saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over, somebody say, all the power. Come on, let's say it out loud. All the power. All the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Verse 21, it says, In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things. Now, what were those things? Authority over the enemy. You've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. These things, He's hidden them. Yeah, you know, I, I know smart people that don't believe in this stuff. They don't believe we have authority over them. But it says the babes, the young, they believe in these things. You know, my question is, so you don't cast out demons? What do you mean? Do you leave them in? I don't know. Because we've got two choices, either to cast them out or leave them in. 
And maybe you're starting to think, oh, oh no, I've, I've got a problem in an area. And you're starting to feel bad about it. I don't want you to feel bad. Because here's the good news, you can access God's power. But what the enemy likes to do is he likes to, us to get us focused on our, on our weakness and our history. Saying, you can't get free. You've tried, you've been there. You've even had somebody pray for you before. You can't get free. You, you've got a big problem. This is a big problem. This is not like other people's problems. Your one's a big problem. Let, let me go back to Mark chapter 5, the story of the demoniac. How many know he had a problem? He was demonized. He was running around naked in a cemetery. None of us are as bad as that guy. Come on, you've all got your clothes on this morning. I'm just saying, if God could deliver him, He can deliver you, He can set you free. Today, if you just believe, if you come to Him. See, see, what did this guy do? Soon as he saw Jesus, in Mark 5 verse 6, he said, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshipped Him. Do you know the goal of deliverance is always worship. You know when you're bound, when you don't have a freedom to worship. In fact, Moses had to go to Pharaoh and said, let my people go that they might worship me in the wilderness. See, deliverance is all about worship. And when you feel hindered in your worship, it's because often there's something coming over top of you that's stopping you fulfilling what God's mandated us to do. Come on, we're born to worship. We're born to lift up the name of Jesus. And if there's no freedom in that, are we really free? See, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshipped him. See, Satan does not have power to stop you coming to Jesus. Because if he could have stopped anyone, he could have stopped that guy. So if you're in bondage, if you have difficulty in your life, come on, if you have a weakness, an area of sin, you can't stop. That you can't break. And you recognize, hey, I might be under the influence of the enemy's power. Jesus can set you free. Where's the area in your life that you need freedom? Because I believe what we need to do is we need to run to Him and worship. And worship simply means, this is what it means, it means to bow down. The only people who can't get free are those who won't humble themselves. The only people who can't get free are those who pretend they're all right. Oh, I'm free, I'm all right. See, humility accesses God's grace. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. I don't want to give you good advice this morning. This is not about good advice. This is good news. This is good news. Jesus has won it all on the cross. He's conquered sin and death once and for all so you and I can live in freedom. Come on, if you believe that today, how about standing to your feet? How many are looking forward to this series? <laughs> Woo, we dive right in to the deep end. <laughs> We're gonna unpack some things over the coming weeks that I really believe is gonna bring healing and wholeness. It's gonna bring about restoration and relationships. People are going to walk with a new freedom. Some of you have been fighting things. It's like, man, I don't know what I'm fighting, but I just seem to be under this thing. God's going to break you through. 
In Jesus' name.